Wow. Wasn't that singing glorious? And of course it wasn't, we're not, we're not singing to each other. Even though it certainly is enjoyable to hear behind me and beside me, in front of me. We sing to give praise and honor to the God and Father that we serve, the God and His Son, who is God, and the Holy Spirit who has sent us the revealed Word that's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I could not have picked a better subject today than Jesus Christ and who He is being the hope, our hope, and the hope for our troubled world. Jesus is the answer to who. He's the answer to what. He's the answer to when. He's the answer to where. He's the answer to how. And He's the answer to why. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, 29, and 30, have you ever heard me quote that passage? Just about every sermon. And can you think of a an, an entry to a sermon better than come to me? Or an exit of any lesson, come to me? And Jesus stands morning, noon, and night with His hands outstretched to all who are weary and burdened, all who labor and are heavy laden. He says to us, Come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart. I'm gentle and humble in heart. That's who I am. And you shall find what you need. You shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There, there are not many commandments that God requires us to keep. Really, when it comes down to it, there's only two, right? I mean, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And they expected him to maybe pick out one of the ten. Or as Lee taught us this morning in the auditorium class, one of the 600 and something or 700 and something or whatever it might be. Lee, what was that number? 613, some odd laws that Jesus could pick from. And Jesus just cut right to the chase and said, well, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. 
You want to know what, what's important? Love God supremely. Jesus is the one who said in Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and you'll have what you need. All of these things will be yours. They'll be added to you. Love God supremely. And the second Jesus said, it's likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus tweaked that a little bit in John 13, 34, and 35. When he said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I've loved you. So love you one another. And how will the Louisville Metro community know that we are Christians, that we are His followers, that we are His disciples? Well, He tells us, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. When I love you and you love me, and it's not, not just words. Remember, He says, let us not love in word or in tongue, but how? Indeed and in truth. Someone said, I can't hear what you're saying because what you're doing is so loud, it deafens me. I can't hear you say I love you because of how you're treating me, how you are around me, how you are speaking toward me. Jesus said, love God, love one another. I mean, how hard is this, right? Let's memorize what we need to memorize. Love God supremely and love one another, love others. And if you think about it, everything else that God has taught us and that Jesus has lived before us falls under those categories, right? If you love God supremely, are you going to have any trouble battling sin? Well, I mean, you'll have trouble battling sin. It's always trouble to battle sin, but you'll fight it because I love God. You don't have any trouble helping your neighbor or forgiving your neighbor or helping your brother and sister in Christ or forgiving your brother and sister in Christ if you know that we're to love one another? Well, of course not. I mean, it'll be trouble. Sin is always trouble. But when we have our priorities right, then it's okay. People will come and people will go. But our emphasis is on our love for God and our love for one another and for others, even those that we don't know yet. After the day, the elders will get busy, already busy, going through resumes, finding out who will be and hold this lofty position or a position that's lowly, depending on how you look at it. For instance, Cindy visited a congregation not too long ago, a couple weeks ago. And I said, well, how, how was it? She said, well, it wasn't, it wasn't Watterson Trail. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a little fearful when I walk into a congregation.
that I always want to, to compare that church to Watterson Trail. And I'm afraid the more I do that, I may not find any place. And I won't. So, love God supremely and love each other. Love the lost. So now what I want us to do this morning is think about who these people are that Jesus is inviting to himself. When he says, come to me, all you who labor and heavy, heavy laden, who are these people? Well, I could say, who are we people, right? Is there anyone among us who just might be bearing a burden? Could that be said of you? I mean, Brother Dan just got up and announced about two sisters, 123, 125. The 25-year-old needed a liver transplant. Her sister, 23, said, I'll do that. The two sisters. And we're praying for them because, you know, it's still up in the air as to whether everything will be all right. We want to help them bear that burden. Is any among us here today tired, weary, Maybe not necessarily physically, you probably had a good night's sleep, but there's more to being weary and burdened than just physically, right? So let's list a few people and just think about them with a couple of passages of Scripture to help us think about who it is that Jesus is calling to Him. So Jesus is calling people who are sick we just mentioned two young ladies who are sick one was very sick one maybe not sick at all and the younger one is now bearing or helping bear the burden of her older sister and they're sharing in that sharing in the burden isn't that what Jesus is asking us? You don't have to be tired. If you're tired of carrying your load, let me help you carry it. You, if you're sick, Jesus said, let me help you with that. Let me help you with your weariness. Let me help you with your labor. You don't have to do it alone. He says to us, Come to me. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, the scriptures tell us that as Jesus went about doing good, all manner of illnesses, disease, and sick people were brought to him. And he, with a word, cast out the spirits, the demonic spirits who had had inhabited some. He healed all of their sicknesses and all their diseases. 
And then the Bible tells us that as a fulfillment of the prophecy, which said he has borne our illnesses and he has borne our infirmities. Jesus, that's what he's about doing. How can I help you? Now there's more, you know, when you think of sick, you just think of somebody with uh, some kind of disease, right? Or some malady that's uh, physical. But there's much more to sickness than just something physical, right? I mean, you could be sick mentally. You could be sick or ill socially. You could be sick or ill financially. And however it is, Jesus said, let me help you with that. Let me bear that burden with you. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 and following, Jesus gives us that great picture of judgment day. Do you remember it? As a shepherd, Jesus said, divides the goats and the sheep, so will the Son of Man when He comes in His glory. Like that shepherd who puts the sheep on one side and the goats on the other side, He said, so will I do that on that great day. Then He pronounces what it is that separates the two. I was hungry. You fed me. Thirsty. You gave me a drink. Naked and you clothed me. A stranger, you took me in. A sick, and you cared for me. Both groups asked Jesus the same question. One, Jesus, when did we see you like this and help you? The other one, when did we see you like this and reject you? And Jesus said to the ones who had... I mean, they had a question about, Jesus, we, we don't remember giving you a drink or having you stay with us. And Jesus said, as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. If you've loved others, if you've helped others, you've loved me and helped me. And the other group, well, Jesus, certainly if we'd have seen you, a stranger or sick or in prison or... or naked or thirsty or hungry, we'd have helped you. Jesus said, well, you didn't help others. I was thirsty and hungry and you didn't... Well, as much as you did not do it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it not to me. And to one of them, well done. The other side, depart from me. And that's what separated, in this passage, what separated the two groups. Is their love for God and primarily here their love for others, which we want to mark in our hearts and minds as the kind of people we want to be and continue to be and become. Secondly, what kind of people are these? The disabled. There are many of us who have a disability. And I dare say, every one of us has some sort of disability. When you think about it, 
If I were to ask Cindy this morning what my disability is, among many things, she would probably say, my husband is directionally challenged. I make no apologies. At one time, I had a GPS on my phone, a GPS in the car, and then a navigation system in the car. I mean, I've got three different GPS systems to get me where I need to go. I'm reminded of a good friend of mine, a brother in Christ, who had a mother-in-law who developed the disability of dementia. And her dementia caused her to lose direction. He tells me, and it was funny, but not funny. There was a time where his mother-in-law got up from her chair in the living room and walked into the corner and cried out, John, John. Where are you? His name is not John. I just made that up. So, John, it's... Where are you? He said, Mama, just turn around. And she had walked into the corner and lost direction. And she turned around and said, Oh, there you are. There are many facets of disabilities, right? Physical disabilities, emotional disabilities, relationship disabilities, financial disabilities. Not just what we normally think of. And to all of us who have disabilities, Jesus is saying to us, Come to me. I want to love you. I want to help you. I want to serve you. I want to meet your needs. If you're weary and tired, burdened and heavy laden, I'm right here. Come to me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10, the Apostle Paul was not without a disability. We talked a little bit about him this morning in our class because he wrote the book of Galatians. And in that book, in chapter 6 on down, he said, one of the passages, he said, See what large letters I've used to write to you. And we had a discussion about why he would pen such large letters. And some member of the class, some Christian, said, Well, it could be because... His eyesight was not as good as it could have been. Anybody have that disability? I mean, that's just one of any number, right? And we need glasses or contacts. Sometimes we need surgery. And sometimes, even after all of the technological advances that we have, a doctor might say to us, well, it's just as good as it's going to get. And then we even have, then we have to depend on what Jesus is saying to us. 
Do you have a need? Is there some weakness in your mind, in your character, in your body, in your behavior? Come to me. All you who are tired and burdened, I'm here to help you. As a congregation of the Lord's people, do we need God's help? Do we need the help of the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, we're His church. I mean, that's the reason we call ourselves the church of Christ. We belong to Him. And He's there with His hands outstretched saying, Come to me. I'll provide what you need. Thirdly, ignorant. Now, sometimes we, not being very Christ-like, we'll call someone, well, you know, you're just ignorant. Not a good thing to do. May be true, but not a good thing to do. But who in here among us is not ignorant? In some way. Because ignorance is the lack of knowledge, the lack of understanding. I mean, the man standing before you that's honored and privileged to be able to stand before the Lord's church to deliver a message, I am so far from where I need to be in my knowledge of life and living, in my knowledge of how to be a better man, how to be a better son, how to be a better husband, how to be a better dad, how to be a better uh, member of the church, how to be a better son of God. There's so many ways my ignorance shows itself. I wonder sometimes how God can look at me and continue to be patient with me. And if He could speak to me, would say to me, Son, how long shall I put up with you? I've been trying to teach, the, teach you this lesson every day for the last ever how long. And you just, doesn't, you just don't seem to want to learn it. You continue to be ignorant in the things that you need to know. So in a sense, all of us who lack understanding, Jesus is saying, Come to me. And in our text, he said, learn from me. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, the apostle Paul wrote, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. You can follow me. Learn from me, Jesus says. We, we, we have his life. We have his teachings. And he wants us to learn from him how to think, how to speak, how to act, the choices that we need to make. Not very quick. Pray about it. Think about it. Then make your decision under the advice, uh, not of sinners, but of the saints. Not of those who would scoff at God, but those who would respect God. Then we make our decision, giving glory and honor to God. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, oh, what a beautiful verse. My little children, I write these things to you so that you won't be ignorant. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say so that you won't be ignorant. He said, I write these things to you that you may not sin. We don't have to sin. We don't have to make 
mistakes and keep making them. We don't have to have errors in judgment. We should learn from that, right? And learn from Him. I write these things to you that you may not sin. But if any one of us sins, He's there for us, right? We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. He Himself is there for us. He's saying to us, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. The confused. Anybody in here ever been confused? There might be one of us that says, not me. And then when you're saying that, your husband or your wife is like, really? It's like this morning. You're the one who said, honey... I can't find my whatever it might be. And then we're sitting here thinking, no, if Jesus, if we're confused, that means we don't know everything. We don't have everything together. In John chapter 20, verse 24 through 29, Jesus has died, rose again, and met with the church. The problem was as Thomas skipped. You miss a lot when you miss the service of the church. I dare say there may be members of the Lord's Church here at Waterson Trail that have had no idea that this was Brother Mickey's last sermon. What? Really? When did that happen? Well, when you miss, you miss a lot. Thomas missed the coming of Jesus in the church. And when his, when his fellow disciples came to him and said, Oh, you missed it, Thomas. He was right here. And he's like, uh, yeah. Remember what he said? Except I see the wounds in his hands and feel the place where that spear went in his side, I will not believe. And of course, the next service, Thomas is there. Jesus already knows this. He knows it all. What did Jesus do when he saw Thomas? He just walked right up to him, didn't he? Stretched out his hands and said, Here. Opened his cloak and said, Feel it. And don't be unbelieving, but believing. Don't be confused about who I am. Don't be confused anymore about where I've gone and where I'm taking you. Believe me. And it could be any one of us who have doubts and disappointments in life. And we think, God, are you there? Don't be confused. Don't be unbelieving. God, what's happening to us? God's got everything in His hands. Maybe except us. Why don't we get in His hands too? Don't be confused. Be believing. Next, the lost. Anyone in here ever been lost before? Now, if you're a Christian, you've been lost before. But I'm primarily thinking about just being lost. I remember one time leaving a note for my mother, and I'm probably about 12. Brother under me is about 8, 
the brethren under him about four. And I left a note for my mother who had gone to visit my granny, leaving us out, you know, it's a different day today than it was then. I mean, I would tell my mother at nine years old, hey, mom, can I go to the store and get a Dr. Pepper? And she'd say, okay, go and come right back. And it was three miles away down country roads. Uh, I would not dare do that today. But I remember leaving my mother a note. We're going down Two Mile Creek to where it runs into the whatever other stream it was going to be. And when she got in, she telephoned my dad and said, our sons have lost their minds. <laughs> we had no idea that where Two Mile Creek met the main stream was like 17 miles. <laughs> and of course, when Dad came in, picked up Mother and went down to the, the mouth of Two Mile Creek, our old swimming hole, there the three of us were, right there under the bridge, swimming. And more my mother came down, happy and mad. Or not maybe mad, just upset. I said, well, we, we went down a good piece. We decided to come back and go swimming. In her mind, she's lost her sons. How will we ever find them? They're going to get down there, and who knows what's going to happen. You ever been lost? I remember Cindy taking a nap on a trip one time. She said, you know, I'm going to close my eyes a minute. Now, remember the exit about two miles up here. Well, about 30 minutes later, she opens her eyes, and I'm just listening to music, you know, driving down the road. And she says, this doesn't look familiar. Where are we? Remember, I do have a driving impediment, okay? I said, I don't know, you know. She said, I told you that exit was only a minute or two away. 30 minutes. I, and of course, my excuse was there was a semi beside me and I missed the exit. And I, I mean, I believe that that's really true. But I got lost in my thinking. You ever been lost? And of course, if you're a Christian, you've been lost. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11, why did Jesus come to this earth to start with? To seek and save the lost. If we're lost in any way, come to Jesus. How about widowers, widows, and orphans? Do you think they're carrying a burden? Our son and his family, our daughter-in-law, Lindsay, and our little Lily, recently lost their companion, uh, dog companion, Leo. They've had him for, I think, 11 years. Ben and Lindsay got, in, got him two years before Lily was born. So when Lily was born, she's always had Leo. And Leo's her dog. And She's, she's Leo's friend. Sleeps in her room. She takes, it's her responsibility to take care of him, which she does a fabulous job. Well, they went, went out to visit and with some friends, and somehow or other, Leo got out. 
dug under the fence and disappeared. Now he's done that before and he's always stayed right there around the house. But this time he didn't come back. And so our son and, and daughter-in-law called the youth group at church and said, we need your help. So they all came out and looked down the roads, you know, driving and walking, calling out, Leo, Leo. And one of the teens found him about a, maybe three-quarters of a mile from the house. He never did that. The only thing we could think of is he started chasing something. Maybe that red fox that we have, that we saw this morning, right here in our vicinity. The dog came out in him, and here we go. How sad it was to have to take care of him. I still have a picture and a memory of my little girl, little granddaughter sitting on the porch, holding his food, calling out his name. Well, they got him a new puppy, Friday. I got a picture if anyone wants to see it. You might say it's, it's Mickey's grand dog. I do not have any grand dogs, okay? But he is really cute. I'm making a short story long, like preachers do. But... Uh, he had a sister and so I, I said to uh, our son why don't you just get the brother and sister while you're at it and then his remark was well dad there's another child somewhere that's lost a pet just like we have and I could get two pets for us and we'd do fine with it but I'm going to leave his sister for some other child to have a companion to meet their need and I think that's a sacrifice for them but oh what a benefit that it'll be to some other little child somewhere do orphans and widows and widowers do we as family do we have some burdens to bear certainly we do and many of us have been in those situations. And I don't know who you are, but you know how it feels. Well, God, in His magnificent wisdom and love, stretches out His hands in His Son and says, Come to me. I'll take care of you. Learn from me, because I love you. In John chapter 11, verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, how did Jesus feel when Mary and Martha had lost their brother? Jesus wept. Why did he cry? He knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Well, he wept because he saw people who were suffering. Should we not rejoice with those who rejoice? And should we not weep with those who weep? And when we do, aren't we like our Savior, Jesus? And have a heart like Him. Finally, anyone in famine, in poverty, anyone of any number of people that you want to list, 
all of us, everyone you see today, Jesus invites, come to me. Now, in the Great Commission, you and I as Christians, are we, are, we have received a mission from Jesus. Bring anyone who's burdened and weary to me. So now Jesus invites all of us to come to him. And then he commissions those who come to him, go get your friends. Go bring, don't you want them to have what you have? Don't you want them to enjoy the salvation you enjoy? Don't you want them to experience forgiveness like you've been forgiven? Don't you want to, for them to have the courage and the bravery that comes from faith in, in me and the Father? Don't you want them to have that same courage? If you do, make disciples of them. Teach them about me. Bring them to me. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. He said, I'm, I'm going to be with you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I change not, he said, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we'll leave with that great invitation. Come to me. Not to me. Not to the church. Not to Waterson Trail Church of Christ. Come to Jesus. He will save you. He will help you. I stand ready to help you too if you'll come as we stand together and as we sing.